0: Welcome to 20 Not Something, the podcast for 20-somethings who haven't quite figured out what their something is yet. Each week, I'll be speaking to a different guest about their experiences of this messy decade to reassure you that everything turns out all right in the end. Because doing something in your 20s can actually mean doing anything that makes you happy. So today I am joined by Moses Jimenez. Originally from Mexico City, Moses' 20s offered him the chance to spread his wings and fly in both a practical sense during his travels and also an emotional level, growing through the motions of his turbulent decade. At 21, Moses left home and moved to Spain in midwinter with nothing but a few clothes and a few dreams, his first solo travel venture, which would set in motion a love for escape and adventure later on. Upon returning to Mexico he got a place at architecture school but when he reached his final term unexpectedly quit much to his father's disapproval who then refused to speak to him for several months it was then that Moses decided to nurture his creative desires and start his career as a tattoo artist. In the following years, Moses learned a lot about himself. Returning to Spain, he got into a relationship and was soon after married. However, upon returning to Mexico, Moses quickly realized the mistake he had made jumping into marriage so soon and within the year they had divorced. It was a really difficult time in Moses' life. Feeling lost and unsure of his path, he fell into a depression. His only natural reaction to this pain was to drop everything. He sold his studio, got rid of his belongings and left everything behind. The last four years of his twenties were spent traveling around the world from North America and the Caribbean and across to Europe. He was homeless and had nothing to his name except the person he was and the clothes on his back, but that was enough for him. At 29, he met his future wife, Camille, and the two of them returned to Mexico together and started a life together." Moses is now an extremely talented tattoo artist with people from all over the world traveling to the city for the chance to get his artwork inked on their bodies. He recognizes his 20s as being a crazy time, but despite some turbulent years, is very much grateful to have experienced, land and grown through them. Moses, thank you so much for joining us all the way from Mexico hmm. today. Welcome to 20 Not Something. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much, and thank you for that really nice introduction. It makes me sound like a real human being.
0: What would you consider yourself to be otherwise?
1: (laughs) Well, sometimes, yeah. Sometimes it's a bit of a blur into if I'm just a conscious that is alive or an actual person and other people perceive me as such. Mm,
0: I love that. Cool. So I'm going to (laughs) kick things off by asking you the same thing that I ask everyone. And that is, when you were looking into your 20s decade, can you remember what the one thing that you wanted the most was?
1: (sighs) I guess, honestly, fame and recognition. And I think that's why they become—they they were such a turbulent time of my life.
0: Interesting. And um, um, what yeah. do you mean by that?
1: Well, honestly, I just wanted, I, I come from a city where there's nothing, like it's culturally dead. I come from an industrial city where people actually do earn money, but there's nothing to do around here. Uh, it's where I'm currently now recording the podcast from my mom's house. But there's there's no art shows, there's no galleries, there's no concerts, there's no food culture. It's very, it's very American in the sense that it's about spending money, having nice things, having a nice big car, and going to work and back every day. And I always wanted more. Um, I was always very ambitious, I was very young, so I wanted to be famous. I wanted to have money. I wanted to travel. I wanted to be recognized. And um, the pursuit of all of those things is what turned my life upside down and made me mental during my, my 20s.
0: Interesting. Was it just like this need to be recognized? Do you think that came from your upbringing or like friends around you? Because I, I similarly have that and I was thinking about it the other day, but I was like, mm-hmm. where does that actually come from? That need and desire to be um, almost accepted by other people instead of figuring out why I yeah. actually want.
1: I guess it comes, I guess it's a, in my case, it's a personal flaw. I think uh, it was the desire of grandeur, uh, the ego feeling better than people around me when I was younger. But then it also comes from, I guess we're all victims of first circumstances. Growing up, feeling unrecognized. I was a very bright student when I was young, but um, I was terrible at sports. I was in an all-boys school, so I was a loser. Even though I was the the most clever kid in my class, I was still the biggest loser. And I guess when I grew up and I found the touring and I realized that I could overcome those physical limitations and be the cool guy, Mm -hmm. I just wanted to be the coolest guy that ever lived.
0: Mm, that's so interesting it reminds me of that um einstein quote what is it if you if you teach a if you measure a fish by how well it climbs a tree it'll go through life thinking it's stupid or something like that like i think it's so true when we're kids we get measured against things it's even like taking exams yeah it is true
1: and i went to an old boy catholic school where like if if you were not good physically if you were not good at sports you would just be completely unrecognized so yeah yeah i guess i guess something like that must have come in the way and i guess my character is just like that as well
0: Mm. Mm. and so when it came to architecture school what made you drop out at the final hurdle
1: well architecture school was a compromise in the first place um i had already said that i wanted to be an artist since i was very young i started getting into tattooing when i was five or six and I saw my first tattoo in the street in Mexico City, I always wanted to do it. I started using sharpies and pens to to paint on my arms and legs since I was very small. And uh, coming from a religious school with a conservative background, in an industrial city where art is not a thing, my father was of course terrified I was going to start uh, when I was an adult and I was going to struggle. So he was trying to get me into a more technical school because I was also really good with maths, with physics and so so then the career that we agreed on that had both the artistic intake, but then also the maths intake and that I could make money with, apparently was going to be architecture. So I went for it and I was actually really good. I used to do very well in school. I won a bunch of prizes while I was in school. It was very good. But then on my eighth semester out of 10 is when I went to Spain for, for in it was kind of for like Erasmus plan. So I went there. I massively failed because I I, I could not understand the school system. I wasn't comfortable with it. It was freezing. I really didn't want to, the school was really far away from where I was living and I was broke. So it was like being in the cold weather in the snow for a couple of hours on the way to school each way. I I just started hating it. So I started hanging out in a tattoo shop and um, it it was a tattoo shop of a Mexican guy as well. So we started making friends because we were both Mexicans stranded in Spain. And then he was BC, so I started helping, answering the phone. And then all of a sudden, I was booking people in. And then I knew who each person was. And then I knew what was needed to find the shop, and so and so. So I ended up becoming the apprentice part of the shop as well. Um, and that was the thing that I always wanted to do. I was already covered in tattoos by, by that point. So I came back home after my Erasmus semester was on, covered in tattoos, dreaming, breathing, tattooing every second. And I had to go back to school. So it was really frustrating because I, I just all I wanted to do was to do. And then we had some um, family trouble. My father left home. My parents divorced when I was 20, 21. So it was a really complicated and turbulent times because all of a sudden my dad wasn't home anymore. He was broke. So I couldn't really afford to go to school and then support myself and try to help my, my, my mom and my brother. My brother was 14 back then. So it was really complicated i had to also provide for him so i decided to just drop out i was like this is pointless i don't even like this career i'm just gonna get a degree in something i'm never going to do because i found tattooing and that's what i want to do so i dropped out and then i just started tattooing from home we had a big house so i was just i turned the whole basement into a tattoo shop and i was just tattooing and drawing and painting all the time and then when my dad was because he came late and he wanted me to go back to school and take it back again and i said no, still too late. I've been doing now for a year. I love it. I make money. And I've been offered the opportunity to go back to Spain and finish my apprenticeship. So I'm just going to pick up my stuff and go away. Mm-hmm. It was hard for him. It was really hard. Um, he really struggled his way up from the bottom. So for him to have accomplished so much and have gone so far and putting all of his dreams and hopes into me and then me being like, nah, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm sure he was just laughing at his face.
0: <laughs> oh but that yeah. must have been it must have been so tough to to do that because as you said like you know you're aware of how much he sacrificed for you and built that life for you yeah. and then for you to follow your dream but ultimately like that takes so much courage and i think where so many young people especially maybe go not that you can go wrong but might regret is is just going by the rule book and doing things because they think that's what they should be doing instead of actually what they're passionate about but i love listening to you talk about um tattooing because it must be so rewarding to really love something so much that you want to do it for a living i actually think that's quite rare
1: also it's i mean i didn't intend to make this podcast about tattooing but it's The backbone of my life, literally. It's so important also because when I was young, when I was in my early 20s, what I wanted was to be recognized for my tattooing. What I wanted to be was to be the best, to be great, to travel and go to conventions and be recognized and famous. And then as time went by and I got older, I realized that there's no bigger form of recognition than making someone else happy with something that you really like to do. So I'll do a drawing that I am... extremely happy to do anyway and I'll make someone else extremely happy and I'll give them a confidence boost or exactly the thing that they need to take that next step into life because I have had customers with extreme anxiety with phobias that don't want to leave their house and or that have massive scars their body and they decide to to let go of fear come and get it to it and their life definitely improves like Mm -hmm. they become way more confident it's just it's such a great feeling knowing that you can help others doing the thing that you love
0: Mm, yeah for sure yeah that's so beautiful I love that I love that um so thinking then more about um Mm -hmm. your sort of your personal journey along your 20s obviously I know you said that you um got married quite young and I was just wondering what that What that experience then meant for the rest of that decade, like how did that change? How did that change you?
1: It it had a tremendous impact because you know it was kind of like peer pressure on both of us. It was the pressure of, we're both in different countries. Like there's no way we can continue a relationship being broken young. So this is the only way that we can try and make it work, and it just didn't because. It wasn't out of the sincere emotions and the maturity that you need to take that step and say like, all right, I'm going to stick with you through thick and thin. It wasn't like that. It was like, all right, we're going to do this because we don't have any other options. And it was also really complicated because she didn't really get along with my family. My family didn't really get along with her. And I think as well that that always makes things quite complicated. And when you are so young and when you are so susceptible to what other people might think, And what your family expect from you? It also traced the pattern in the sense that I was very, very close and connected to my family. Like they mean so much to me, especially my close family, my mother, my brother. And then all of a sudden, being in this position of like, right, they don't like each other, so I have to choose. I have to decide if I want to pursue my dreams of happiness and recognition and fame and money, or just stay in my hometown and just. Do whatever I can to go by, and those that decision uh, really affected not only the rest of the decade but the rest of my life. Because also I am not happy in this town. I don't have many friends, and the friends that I do have are busy and live and work somewhere else. And I feel like there's nothing for me. So this this decision of like, all right, for me to be happy is to live as well painful memories here to live my parts of my past that i'm not very comfortable with and try to be happy somewhere else but then also missing my family and my hometown it is it's a very bittersweet mm. very melancholic um feeling that it just it's like a black shadow on top of me most of the times but now i can deal with it now i know how to deal with it and i know what to do with it when i was young i didn't know how to connect it so it started sprouting in many other things that would not help me i started having massive anxiety. I started Having massive sense of regret, um, I started doing drugs. I started drinking. I, I was de total until I was twenty-five. So it was
0: it was crazy. Mm. I mean, we talk a lot about um, mental health on this podcast because I think a lot of people struggle with it throughout this decade because mm-hmm. it's a it's a time of yeah. significant change. Yeah. Um, were you aware? of what you were going through um, when you experienced depression or is that something that you've attributed to that feeling afterwards?
1: I wasn't aware that I was going through a depression. For me it was also a time of massive change because when I was a young kid I was continually uh, abused. I grew up in massive abuse uh, sexual abuse when I was small. From the time I was four until the time So that definitely shaped me up into the person I was and into the need of escaping my immediate reality and become someone else. I think that's also the reason why I ended up covering tattoos because then I I, I got a tool that helped me choose who I wanted to be. I wasn't going to be the kid that my parents loved. I wasn't going to be that boy that went to Catholic school. I wasn't going to be any of those things. I was going to be myself for the first time. I was in control of my body. Of my time and of my, what I wanted to do with it, so it was complicated because also all the memories that were blocked in my head, all the things that I had suppressed for my own personal well-being, as I thought, started coming out. It was like literally like opening a gutter that was full of rats and cockroaches, you know. So it all came out, and it was a mess. And I didn't. I didn't know what I was dealing with. I had no idea what I was dealing with. I didn't know what anxiety was. I just knew that I would get massively furious and wanted to smash something. Mm-hmm. I just knew that I would have an immense sense of doom and dread hanging upon me and that I thought like I was going to be dead in a very short time. And I didn't know why. So I've always had friends that are older than me. So I had a, a very good friend I appreciate a lot who was my um he started being my customer he was he owned the gym and he was my coach at the gym and he saw me struggling and one day he told me like I going to give you the phone number of someone that you should be like the stress that you're dealing with it's just not normal he, he, he told me and then that's when I finally it took a, it took a time of adjustment because I went also to see a bunch of charlatans like I even had a, a person who tried to heal me through very dodgy methods, what I needed was a proper psychiatrist because I was very scarred by trouble. And um, in the end, I, I, I ended up with a very good therapist. And it took me time, but I finally understood why I was the person I was. And then that helped the anxiety cease a lot. When I learned to view myself from the outside, when I learned to see myself as someone that has failed dreams and expectations when I learned to see myself as a child as well and I learned that I can also take care of that child as well I could be what I needed when I was small then all of those feelings just kind of faded away I mean they never do fade away but you learn how to live and cope with them so yeah talking about mental health my 20s were insane they were, they were like a tornado
0: Thank you so much for, for sharing that. I'm so sorry that, that you went through that. But to be able to, you know, have that therapy and and understand, I think that's where real progress comes from when we understand why we feel the way we feel. Um, so, yeah. yeah, thank you for sharing that. I agree. Um, I agree. So when you then went travelling, of course, for the last four years, um, I think especially from like where i'm sat in terms of the people that i surround myself with your late 20s are very yeah. much centered around settling down finding someone to be with and you know really progressing up the career ladder that's the sort of generic path which a lot yeah. of people take and so to go traveling at that time i just think it's wicked so what what prompted that and 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 how much fun did you have? Like what tell me about it. What was it like?
1: Oh my god, I had a I had a blast. I had so much fun. And at some point I got tired of having so much fun. Uh, well, look, there's also there's also a cultural difference between what happens back at home with you and what happens here. Mm. What happens here is people normally start living at home when they're in their early thirties. I was an exceptional person. In the sense that I left home with no money when I was very young. Most people stay home until their 30s. Really? Some people even until their 40s. Yeah, because there's no shame with, about living with your parents. Here in Mexico, we earn for call. life is expensive, job crap, education is virtually non existent. So, how are you going to aspire to move out of home and pay yourself to live a proper decent life with? the silliest salary on earth you know like it's just not possible so you have to you have to make the compromise and stay a bit at home it takes a lot longer for us to to spread our wings and learn how to get out of the nest so for me i mean also i guess that decision of because most of my friends that were traveling back then had a base in mexico and were going somewhere and coming back The difference for me is when I ended up this previous relationship, I literally lost everything. I, um, I lost my dog. I lost my tattoo shop. And I say I lost, I I got rid of the furniture, but the, the shop itself was lost. It was just massive. I was so irresponsible that I never thought that I needed permits to run a tattoo shop, but I never wanted to go and get the proper permits on the tattoo shop. So then of course, at some point the government came and were like, come on, so they shut down the shop. So I lost the shop. And then I was, again, by myself, extremely depressed. I was drinking loads. I wasn't up to no good. I felt that my career was just getting stagnant. I wasn't progressing. And I was just sick of everything around me. So I just remember thinking, like, all right, if I have nothing to lose, why am I do- what am I even doing here? So then it all be with a friend in Berlin, who is from Spain and who invited me to go and do some tattoos in her shop. And I thought like I can do it and I can stay for the whole summer and then come back and see how it goes. And then pff, I ended up staying for months. I started, I started to learn how I could, and I, I hope the government isn't listening, but I, I started to learn how to trick the system, get enough tourist visas and move from one place to the other. So I never had to get a permanent visa for any place. I was living on cash. I had a very practical suitcase, and I am very ashamed to say this now because i'm I'm starting to be very eco conscious, but I was just using fast fashion so i was I arrived in Sweden it was freezing. I would go and buy a whole outfit for the winter and then just use it as much as I could, and then go somewhere else and it was warm, so I would just leave it for next year or whatever, and then just get a new outfit and i It was also exhausting because I never got to get any books any anything to bring back home and be like, this is from my travels. Nothing. I got nothing from that time. It was so lost, but it's all gaining experiences. I learned a bunch of new things for tattooing. I met a lot of really amazing, incredible people that I'm really close with now. It was fantastic. It was everything that I needed to realize that not only I could be loved by others because that's what I craved the most when I was young, But then also that I could love myself, that I could treat myself, that I could be nice to myself and show myself a good time. For all I knew back then, maybe I was going to die pretty soon. And I'm glad I didn't. Mm.
0: Wow, that is so amazing. That's such a, like, it comes from a really deep, deeply sad place. But what an incredible way to look at life, isn't it? You know, I could die tomorrow. So why not just go and do it?
1: A a friend once told me, and I remember I used to get really frustrated when I couldn't draw. I used to, like, if, if it wasn't perfect, I was obsessed with drawing beautiful things. And someone once told me, like, you know, it's really hard for you to draw beautiful things when you're angry. So she told me, draw angry things. If you're sad, draw sad things. She said, use your deep, dark emotion to connect to your art and what you can do. And it's going to be a lot easier and I learned how to do that. That's why I think that's why my work and my style has changed so much over time because it depends on my mood. Like if I am in a good mood, if I am in a good place and I feel beautiful, I'll just want to draw flowers and make things beautiful and look color. And if I'm angry, I just want to do black stuff. So I think it's very important talking about mental health to learn, to recognize your feelings and to forgive ourselves for having those feelings. If you're angry, that's okay. You're allowed to be angry as long as you, of course, you're not hitting people or, I don't know, you know, being violent, whatever. But if you're angry, you you can allow yourself to recognize that and do something positive with it. You're allowed to take your sadness and turn it into something good.
0: Mm. That reminds me of a, a quote. I think I'm paraphrasing Meryl Streep right now. I remember once I was watching the Oscars and she said, um, Great. take your broken heart and turn it into art. That's what she said. And that stuck with me for years. That just reminded me when you said that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it is the key to being a successful artist or musician or creative in many ways. Everything that you need is just right in there.
0: Yeah, For sure. So before we go on to play um, the little game that we have at the end, I just wanted to ask you, if you could go back and change one event of your 20s, would you do it? Mm -hmm. And what would it be?
1: I don't think, I I think I know there's one that I'd like to change, but I don't think I want to talk about it in the podcast. Fair enough. <laughs> so it's one event that was beyond my control. And even if I could go back, I wouldn't be able to change. So no, I, I really I really don't believe in regrets. I think, I think every bad decision has its goods at some point later. It's just hard to see it. Mm,
0: yeah. Hard to see it at the time, but then when you come to reflect on it. Exactly. that's when But see.
1: then eventually one day you'll be like, Oh yeah, exactly. One day years later, you'll be like, Oh, maybe if I would have changed that, I wouldn't have the good things that I have now in my life.
0: So we're going to go on to play, um, millennial minesweeper now. So this is just a little oh, quotes wow. game we play at the end. <laughs> um, and I basically just read you out some quotes.
1: Oh, I'm terrible with quotes.
0: It's okay. You don't have, You just have to give your opinion on them. You don't have to say where they're from or anything. Oh, okay,
1: great. I don't need to guess who, who gave it. For that. No, no, no. All right, great.
0: Just, just let me know what you think about it. And then we okay. have a little chat about it. Yeah. All right. Okay, cool. So our first one is the bad news is nothing lasts forever, but the good news is nothing lasts forever
1: completely true. you got to make the moment last. And then also the the more time you spend in the past or in the future, less time you spend in the present. The more time you spend in the present, the bigger it gets and the more rewarding and satisfying it gets. And a lot of the anxiety do actually fade away when you stop thinking about the future. And a lot of the melancholy fades away when you stop thinking about the past because there's nothing you can do about it. You only have Now and now can last a second, but that you can make that second count for real.
0: Mm. But I think that's what's so terrifying about the present, because it there feels like there's so much that you can do with it.
1: There's a lot of that you can do with it, but there's also it's okay doing anything with it. If that's Mm. if that's what you need at some point, I guess.
0: Yeah, for sure. Cool. So our second one is, um, this is actually a um, quote from a, an article about, uh, the article's called Why Your Late Twenties is the Worst Time of Your Life. <laughs> and it's it says, even though the intake of stress continues to rise into the 30s and 40s, most people's emotional responses to it decline So it basically says that...
1: Emotional response to stress, you don't care anymore. I guess it's true, but it, it, it depends, right? Because a lot of things that would stress me and drive me mad in my late 20s, I don't care about. And I think... I don't think your emotional response necessarily decreases. I think it just becomes more selective. Like, you're allowed to give yourself a moment and say like, is this actually worth me freaking out? Am I going to actually improve? If there's nothing to do about it, then that's just how it is. Or I'm definitely not going to freak out in the same way because they don't have my favorite meal at lunchtime as if I see someone kicking my pet. It's just not, you know, like you put it in a balance and then you realize that if you stress about the small things, you're going to be stressed all the time you're allowed to get stressed about it but I, I, I at least don't allow myself to get the most out of my day
0: mm. yeah and you're so right because that just does that does just come with um with living isn't it and experiencing different things and I don't think you can actually yeah. ever realize that until you've lived
1: definitely your
0: life properly you know
1: yeah exactly and after you realize like how much you're in control of how you feel for the rest of the day and then you decide if you actually want to let this thing stress you enough so you have a miserable day or if you just move on and I don't know have a bath
0: (laughs) yeah for sure that actually leads us on perfectly to the last quote which is um by Eckhart Tolle and he says whatever the present moment contains accept it as if you had chosen it
1: all right can you repeat that one again
0: Mm. Whatever the present moment contains, accept it as if you had chosen it.
1: Mm. I Don't know if I necessarily agree with that one. Uh, plenty of things are beyond our control. There's also beauty in that. You know, like it's also really nice to know that you're not in control the whole time. Like that—that that feeling can either either drive you insane. Or it can give you a lot of peace, depending on your character, I guess. Uh, In my case, it has given me peace to know that there's plenty of things that don't depend upon me. So a lot of the pressure of me making everything right and correct and perfect all the time kind of disappeared. I am a bit... With time, I became more of a fixer than a planner. I know now as a fact that plans are useless. Because we don't know what happens. Like we had so many plans, plans in 2019, Cammy uh, and I had so many grand plans, and none of them happened because we had no idea there was going to be a pandemic on its way. So, yeah, mm. it's it's complicated. Control is is complicated, and acceptance of the circumstances.
0: Yeah, that's what I think is interesting about that quote is the fact that when we're presented with the idea that we have a choice in things, it becomes a lot more bearable. Whereas actually maybe what we need Mm -hmm. to do is accept that sometimes we don't have that choice, but that's still okay.
1: Yeah. 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 That's pretty good. Mm. Also, sometimes it's even hard to choose what you want for dinner. So imagine the (laughs) big things in life, the stress (laughs) that it it, it brings to try and decide about everything.
0: Yeah, for sure. I don't even know what I'm having for dinner tonight. Do you know what you're having for dinner tonight?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea. I still have to drive four hours back home and then, I don't know, we'll see what we got
0: let's see what we got <laughs> oh well Moses thank you so much for coming on the podcast it's been so great to chat to you and also just learn more about like I found it so interesting when you were talking about the societal differences in terms of expectations of what it's like for you guys over there compared yeah. to here I just find it so interesting so thanks so much for joining all the way from um, sunny Mexico
1: get it that get it Mexico thank you so much for having me and uh, well. Anytime, if you want a tattoo, just let me know.
0: Okay, I will do, yeah. And anyone else, where can they find you for our <laughs> listeners?
1: They can find me on Instagram as El Dragon. And uh, if I can uh, give some advertisement, you should also check out the work of my wife, Camille Claire. She makes beautiful textiles. She's incredibly talented, my best friend. So Aww. there we are
0: amazing great there's two things for you guys to check out thank you so much If you enjoyed this episode, then hit subscribe to be the first to get notified of new episodes dropping every Wednesday. A big shout out to our composer and producer, Pete Half, and a huge thank you to you guys at home for listening. Feel free to leave us a review on iTunes or reach out on Instagram at 20 not something. It's lovely hearing your thoughts on the episode and who you guys are keen to hear from in future. With that in mind, we'll be back next week with another brilliant guest. So stay
1: tuned.